You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikenna Okeke of the Father's Church. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill your purpose and live that life that God originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. So this evening, we just want to wrap up, you know, as much as we can. But in essence, what we looked at on Sunday was a meditation to help us in this journey. Life, as we see it, is um, not going to get easier. Things are going to get tougher. You know, decision-making and all of that is going to get tougher. And the only safety you and I would have is the level of revelation of God that we have. That's the only place we can be safe. Praise the Lord. Nigeria, by the grace of God, are changes here in Jesus' name. But there is no part of the world that is better. Everywhere has its own issues. Okay? But what is going to keep you sane, what is going to keep you strong, what is going to keep you going, is that you know God. The Bible says those who know their God, they shall be strong and they shall what? Carry out great exploits. In another place, save that you might be strengthened with might in the inner man. Okay, so we're in a season where there must be, you know, that knowledge of God. That's the best gift anybody can, you know, get for himself now. There is no safety in any other place. Why? Because these days are the days that were prophesied and was called perilous times. There will be disheartening things, discouraging things, trying things happening and all of that. But when you know God, he's telling you part time, this is what I'm doing. You're part of what he's doing. He gives you hope, he gives you strength, and he gives you boldness to move on. Amen? So what we began to look at on Sunday was, was in the scripture, important in the scripture, but may not have gotten all the attention, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Remember, it's popularly said that the people who shouted, Hosanna, 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 you know, the same week shouted, crucify, crucify, crucify. Why? They didn't know him. They knew the miracles he did, but they didn't know him. They didn't know what he came for. Now, incidentally, Christianity is at the level where people still don't know him, but they know the miracles. There is a way this ministry would have been when we come now. Someone will come and say, man of God, bless the Lord. I went out and I stepped like this and I got 50 million. Hallelujah, join me. Now, all those things are okay if you proceed to know him. But if you remain at that level, you're not safe. Praise the Lord. You are an endangered species. Because remember, when the Bible tells us, and Satan tempted Jesus... He didn't tempt Jesus with fornication. He tempted him with breakthrough. Is someone listening to me? He tempted him with answer to his prayer points. Jesus wanted the world. He came to save the world. Satan said, I give it to you. He didn't tempt him with fighting. He didn't tell Jesus, okay, if you fight now, God won't be. No, he said, I can give you this thing. So Satan, who does not change as well, is still in the same business of giving God's children what they want out of the plan of God. And that is destruction. That's where many people are. I saw a man of God who wrote something. He said, don't make a career of your problem. A lot of Christians, their problems are their Christian career. 
Today God will do it. Tomorrow God, you know, you just get lost in it. Forgetting that before you had a problem, there was a you. It says, before I formed thee, I knew thee and ordained thee. Praise the Lord. And we keep saying that at the back of all of that is not knowing the Father's heart. Please, I beg you, thank God we are called the Father's Church. Always remind yourself, this God we are talking about is not your employer. He's not your uncle. He's not a benefactor. He's not your senator. He's your father. Praise the Lord. He's your father. And the father's pleasure is to what? Give you the kingdom. All that the father has belongs to his children. So God never really keeps anything from you. He keeps it for you. Praise the Lord. He keeps it for you. Part of the areas we are going to touch is, you know, how you must settle that God in Christ Jesus is healer of all diseases. There is nothing he can't heal. But he does not invite you to now start studying him every day as healer. You follow him as Lord and Savior. Is someone getting it? No, his office does not become just healer. That is part of what he does because Paul could have backslid him. He said, I had a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, and I besought the Lord three times to take it away. After the Lord didn't take it the third time, Paul could have found another place. But he put it aside, learned the lesson, put it in his pocket, acquired the rank, and continued to follow Jesus. And he was telling us, forgetting the things which are behind, what do I do? I press forward. There is a mark, there is a reason for which he has called you. Praise the Lord. So the revelation of Jesus Christ, which, you know, God gave him to show his servants. That's what we read here. And we've noted that it's good it was John that this revelation was given to because John knew Jesus as a paddyman, you know, his beloved big brother. That's how the relationship was. But look at 16 and 17. Let's move on from there now. Or let me start from 12. For perspective, it says, Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet, and gathered about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as a sound of many waters. Okay. He said he had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. 17, what does he say? He says, and when I saw him, when I saw him, when John saw this Jesus, the same one, he used to lay his head on his chest. What happened? He said, I fell at his feet as Dead. Do you remember any other person that has had a similar experience? It was Saul of Tarsus. He also saw Jesus shining brighter than the noonday sun, and he fell. When you look at his ministry, you see that Paul did not see Jesus as the man. He saw him as Lord. Praise the Lord. That's how come he could tell us that he was counting everything. As what? Laws for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Why? Because he had seen him. You know, at a point, Peter said to Jesus, 
And those are encouraging things for us because we know we are making progress. Peter said, Master, we've left all and followed you. What do we have? What are we going to get? If Peter had seen this glorified Jesus, he would know that just having him by you is enough. He wouldn't ask, what do I have? Praise the Lord, somebody. Hallelujah. So that revelation is important and it forms everything. It's not on its own. When we have it, it affects our relationship. Like our sister reminded us, it begins to bring us into the place. We ended on, went on Sunday by saying, we looked at Psalm 23 where it says, The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. When we see the glorified Jesus, when we see the Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus without whom nothing was made that was made. Praise the Lord. When we see him, we'll know that we can't have Jesus as Lord and have a thing to worry about. It's not possible. Praise the Lord. We can't have Jesus, note I'm saying as Lord. What does Lord mean? Lord is owner. Jesus can't own me. Jesus cannot own my car and there won't be fuel in it. Praise the Lord. Jesus can't own my house and then Nepa recharge will run out. He's Lord. So the Lord is my shepherd. I shall, but when I'm my own shepherd, I shall want. The test is how do I get to where Jesus is what? My shepherd. Where is Lord? Peter was confronted with the Jews who were collecting their tax. And they said, uh, does your master, they hadn't even asked Peter, does your master not pay tax? And then Peter just entered the house like Wahala has come on. Jesus didn't wait for him. He said, Peter, what are they talking about? Anyway, he said, go and do this and pay what? For yourself and myself. Why? Because Jesus was his Lord. Are you with me? When Jesus is Lord in my life, his concern is for me. And then you know what my concern is? For him. Scripture is very simple. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and what? His righteousness. And what will happen? All these other things shall be what? Shall be what? Shall be what? How are things added? Do you pursue them? But there is something I'm to pursue. I'm to pursue his kingdom. Why? Because he's Lord. How many of us are working in organizations? You're working for somebody. Okay? You're working for somebody. You don't go to the person's house. Go to his kitchen. Or go to his refrigerator. You go and say, Master, what do you want me to do? Isn't it? Knowing that as you work for him, he will give you what to put in your own kitchen. And to put in your own fridge. If you go to his kitchen, he will sack you. Praise the Lord. That's who he is. He's Lord to you and I. Okay? So we get that revelation and we begin to relate with him. Now, Ephesians 2.10. Let's look at that as we move on. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should do what? We should walk in them. So we begin to see as this relationship builds, there is something that is expected of me. There is something that is expected of you. What is that? There are works God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. And as we walk in that path, I think it was our dad or Reverend Oliah that wrote a book. Reverend Joel I wrote a book and says, Path of Minimum Suffering. The truth is this, for every Christian, there are going to be challenges. There are going to be issues. There are going to be trials. In fact, Revelation 1, let, let me read that so we don't miss it. Revelation 1, 9, part of what John revealed to us, I think it was uh, Pastor Nada was saying, love has, you know, we enjoy, you have good sight and bad sight. 
or rather um, difficult sight. Verse 9 says, I, John, both your brother and companion. In what? What's the first one he put? And the second one? And the third one? But some of us, we just want only the kingdom. There is no tribulation and patience. The Bible has told you and I, it says we must be followers of those who, who through faith and patience inherit the promises or the kingdom. That's who we are. It says, I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation. You see, Jesus did not sweet talk us. All these people rising up to become nicer than Jesus, they are dangerous. People who tell you no tribulation Christianity. Why? Jesus said to us, in this world, and then somebody comes and tells you, no, you will not have anything. In this world, you have tribulations. But he says, be of good cheer. What was? I have overcome the world. He himself had. And we are following him. Praise the Lord. He himself had. He had a lot from the Jews. He had disappointments, even from his disciples. Imagine telling them your plan, you know, this is what God wants to do with you, and this is what God has said for you. And then one of your disciples pulling you aside to warn you. He would have thought they would begin to say, ah, master, the Lord will help us, you know, strengthen us. But they just had no understanding. So all those things are here, and they didn't hide it from us, okay? So this evening, what we want to zero in on this is how to be sure, or how, I don't know how, how to put it now. We want to know that we know him to the extent that he knows us. Is that possible? That's to know him really well. First Corinthians 8.3. It says, if anyone loves God, okay, this one is known by him. And I think it was at the prayer meeting. Let's read verse 2. It says, if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. That's a humbling passage. So I think I know. The Bible is saying, I don't know. But they gave us a good key, a safety key there. Three says, but if anyone loves God. So we can't go wrong in what? In loving God. We can't go wrong in finding how to love God and in pressing in in this love. Okay? So Jesus, speaking in another place, in Mark 3, 34 and 35, just to give a background before we move on. They came to him, they said, is it Master Jesus? He says, your mother and your brothers are looking for you. What did Jesus answer? He says, he looked around in a circle at those who sat about what it is. He said, here are my mother." And my brothers, for what? Whoever does the will of God is what? My brother, my sister, and mother. Jesus is saying that there is a way you can know you're related to him. It is by doing his will. In today's time now, it's not necessarily that someone lives in the same house with you. That means that your siblings. There's what they do. They call it DNA testing, isn't it? When they run the DNA, then they can establish that this person's blood and your blood are what? Are from the same source. The same way Jesus is telling us that the test, you know, the first time I saw this, I think the way the Lord ministered to me, he said that the word is thicker than blood. You know, we have a saying that blood is thicker than water. He says that the word is thicker than blood. And this is the basis of the unity that people wish for in the church or in Christendom. You know, there's this desire that let's all be united since we're all Christians. It's true. If we are united in Christ, not the unity that will draw me away from Christ. Praise the Lord. Not the unity that will distract from Christ. 
till we'll come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Every unity in the kingdom has to be a unity in him, a unity pursuing him. Why? Because he himself is not even united to any other thing except the will of God. He says, I've come from heaven not to do my own what? Will, but the will of him who sent me. So Jesus himself is surrendering to the will of the Father. Do you know what it means to say, my mother, my, if any of us have said it here as children, they'll disown us. They say, your mother is calling you, say, who is my mother? My mother is the one who knows mathematics and geometry. <laughs> they will teach you mathematics very well. <laughs> but that's what he said. He said, these ones who hear the word of God and do it, these are my mother, my brother, my sister. He's saying this is how you know connection. So we can then say, brethren, or could it be, that's the way I wrote it here, could it be that we know the Lord Jesus because of what he has done for us? Okay? So we know him as Lord. He came to save us. He died on the cross for us. For us to become born again, we confess that we believe he died, isn't it? So we know him and we know he's our savior. Then could it be that the Lord Jesus knows us because of what we do? I use because two times, permit me. Because of him. Did you get that then? So if I don't find myself, or rather if Jesus doesn't find Ikena doing some things just because of Jesus, then he can really say, I don't know you. You're just claiming my name. When uh, talking about forgiveness, you know, as we're looking at forgiveness, Jesus says to you and I, forgive one another, or rather the Bible says to us, forgive one another, as God would. In Christ forgave you. So, God in Christ forgave me. How did God in Christ forgive me? When I repented, when I became wonderful, when everything I did I explained to God, you know, and he understood why I missed it. Is that how he forgave me? No, while I was still in the sin, he forgave me. Then he says what? Now, forgive others the same way I forgave you. Now, if I don't do it, he doesn't know me in that area. But when I do it, and the heavenly scanner scans, 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 and they say, why is he doing this? He say, oh, he's just doing it because Jesus did it for him. He said, I know this one. Come with me to Genesis 22. Praise the Lord, somebody. Okay? He says, now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He says, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there. As a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, the lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and the knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there. And placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called him from heaven and said what? Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. Now look at 11. 
It says, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. Let's read the next part together, everybody. For now I know. Just stop there. So there are some things God doesn't know until you do some things. God is omniscient, but there are some things he doesn't know. God wants to learn something from you, sir, tonight. God wants to learn something from you. He wants to ascertain some things. Let me not say learn. He wants to ascertain some things. He wants the record to record it. Now I know. Now I know. He didn't know before. Almighty God. That's what will now make him say, I know Abraham. I seen the way it works. So we know him because of what he's done for us. But he knows us because of what we do. Because of him or for him. So if you want to know whether the Lord knows you, check yourself. Have I given him confirmation? Somebody might say, ah, your teaching works. Yes, it is the work of faith. Everywhere there is faith, there is works. Are you hearing me? Faith without works is what? Mm. Everywhere there is faith, there is what? There is work. There's some scripture, I, I hope I remember it, you know. But in essence, what that scripture was saying, I think it's Proverbs, some s- simple scripture. It, it was simply saying that, you know, this relationship with God, to make it easy, just trust God in every area of your life. It was so simple. In every area, of, if you trust God, you walk in such purity and righteousness. Just trust God. Don't lean on your own understanding. Just trust God. Just know in this thing. I have dealings with uh, Pastor Livingstone. And he says this way, this way, this way. And I feel like this. But I just trust that God will handle it. I have dealings with you. It goes this way. I just leave it. God will handle it. And God looks and says, I'm treating him this way. I'm treating her that way. I'm treating them this way because I trust him. He knows I love him. I've seen it. But what does the wicked do? The wicked does not factor God in his calculations. The unbeliever, the carnal Christian, does not factor God. You see, carnality is the Christian who has God but removes God in his decision making. The unbeliever is the one who doesn't even believe there is God. So he talks his own God. If he wants to give you money, he will make you swear. He said, this money I'm giving to you, if you chop my money, you go die. Then he's still chopping somebody's money. Do you understand? As far as it's concerned, God is blindsided. But when you know this God, you know that there is the benefit that you have, that he will not allow you to be cheated. And then also, if you know he won't allow you to be cheated, you know that because he's a righteous God, he will also not allow you to cheat. That's where the carnal Christian comes in. They cheat and then they expect God not to wink at their own and then catch the other people. So you see some people, when they're angry that something happened, you're wondering, but this person, you do this type of thing all the time. Uh, but as far as it's concerned, God is on his side. But God showed us in the uh, record of um, when, when the children of Israel were approaching Jericho that he's not on anybody's side. He's on God's side. Do you understand? The carnal Christian thinks that God will become unrighteous to support him. No, God's righteousness is what you get into. The song says, move on to the right-hand side, move on to the right-hand side, move on to the right-hand side of God. That's what the song said. So the person who has faith in God is constantly moving on to the right-hand side, knowing that that right-hand side will never fail him. And that's what gives you peace. You know that uh, this matter, God is in it. And that's what takes away your peace also. When you've acted as if there is no God, that's when you sleep. You lie down, you turn this side. What if this person does it? What if he does like this? But when you've committed into God's hands and you've obeyed him, there is a peace. 
that you have. Have I told you the story of a little girl about five years old and a little boy about five years, six years old? Okay? So they were playing, and this little girl came out from her house with ten candies, ten sweets. And the little boy had some rocks. And the girl admired the rocks and said, please, can you give me some of your rocks? And the boy said, okay, if I give you half of my rocks, you give me half of your candies. The little girl had ten candies. So she divided her candies and gave the boy five of her candies. The boy had about 15 or more and gave the girl, you know, five also. So the girl went home happy and was playing with her cute rocks, you know. Mom, you see the rocks I, you know, I got from so-so person. When the boy went home, he sat down and he said, ah, These five candies this girl gave me, am I sure she didn't have 30? Maybe she should have given me 15. Or maybe, or even seven. I'm sure it's not five. What was his problem? His wayo was dealing with him. That's the problem of the unrighteous. That's, the Bible can authoritatively say there is no peace for the wicked. The wickedness the wicked does punishes them. Who knows how many? <laughs> the girl that did the right thing just went to man, you know, because her conscience was clear. This the benefit of Christianity. You see a man, his heart is clean, without offense towards anybody. Praise the Lord. Okay, so God says, now I know. So it's there for you and I. Have you proved to God? Can you say to yourself, I think from here, from here, from here, God must know me. You know, we use the illustration on Sunday about somebody who comes to the church and, you know, who I run into at some point. And then, and the person says, ah, this is me. I come to the Father's church. Beautiful. But imagine if that same person comes to church every time and does things that pastor say, ah, God bless this sister that is always doing this. God bless. Do you understand? Can she wonder? If she sees me and I don't greet her, she's going to be saying, is this Pastor Ikenna? Isn't that what she'll say? Because she will know that I know her. How will she know that I know her? Because of what she does. Okay? So when Jesus said to them, depart from me, I never knew. It meant you were carrying out. When they said to him, Master, we did this in your name. We did this. You did it in my name, but you did it for yourself. You didn't do it for me. Is somebody getting in there? You didn't do it for me. So there was no connection. I was not connected to it. Now, if you're mature enough and you've lived life long enough and you've been a Christian long enough, you would have known that a lot of activities, even in Christian, unquote, environment, is fleshly inspired. People hold meetings and say, do you know that that church is doing this? Let's start doing this. Do you know that there are 30 people that are doing this? You know, do you understand? People are just copying and copying and copying and creating all kinds of things. It's not necessary. If it's for Jesus, we are working. Bro, if you bring 50 million, is it not for my Jesus? If you bring 700 million, is it not for my Jesus? If what I'm able to bring is 10 million, is it not our company that owns it? Hallelujah. Why should I disobey my master to bring something to him? You didn't get that. Why should I disobey my master? To bring profit to my master. Somebody told me, a pastor, you know, not just me. He said that the reason they bring these uh, fake uh, testifiers in their programs is that it helps the faith of the others. They call it faith boosters. So you bring somebody to the altar of righteousness to tell a lie so that you can help the one who is the truth. 
that his ministry will blossom. You can see that it's not Jesus' ministry. So when he says, they will say to me that day, he knows what he's saying. Many things are not being done. We've been there. Where you're doing things to impress a man. Not for the master. And why it's like that is this. You see, when you know somebody, there's a peace, it's responsibility, but also there's a relaxation, there's an ease, a rest it gives to you. When you know Jesus, he says, my yoke is what? My yoke is easy. My burden is what? Light. If it's too heavy, it's not from him. You know? But when you know Jesus, when the Holy Spirit tells you, this is what I want of you, you'll find out that he made you. He knows the capabilities he put in you. And he brings out of you what he first put in you. He cannot ask of you what he didn't give to you. Do you understand? So he says, my yoke is what? Easy. When you know him. But when you don't know him, you know the standards of men, the expectations of men. You carry burdens. You carry weight. Everywhere you go, they're measuring. There are 10 points that with which they measure a man of God or they measure a woman of God and they measure a young lady. Has, has this happened? Have you experienced this? Have you, if you read the whole list, you just feel God hates you. But God loves you. He chose you specifically. But you're not fitting into their stereotype. And you count yourself out. Why? Because you don't know the owner of the work. You know the work. So there are people, there are genuine men of God who started this work, loving God, serving God. But they've gone to get power from the occult because they're not understanding what is happening. They're not able to push somebody down. How many of you have gone to stand in line and they actually pushed you down? What has pushing down got to do with what you came out for? Did you come to be pushed down? If you want to be pushed down, you can't pick a fight on the road. You come to the pastor, the pastor lays hand on you, nothing is happening. Then he'll just do like this. Huh? You must fall. <laughs> Why is he doing that? He doesn't know the master. Because when you know the master, and you even read, the master didn't even do all of that. He says, Go, your fate has made you hope. That's if you're coming here and waiting for drama, I'm free from drama. Do you understand? I've been delivered from it. Praise the Lord. I get it. But my expectation is more than those who do drama. I expect miracles every day. I pray for miracles for you every day. Are you with me? And I'm so sure it happens that I don't even need to you to come and prove to me that it happened. Who has the Lord touched? Come and take the mic. I don't need that. I know him. He's working it daily. Praise the Lord. <laughs> you know, okay. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I remember this. I forgot to share again. Last night, you know, I got back to the house, opened that door. The whole place was filled with smoke. The whole house, smoke everywhere. And, you know, I was wondering. I ran to the fridge, checked, you know, electric smoke. With the smoke there, nothing there. Tell, television, all the points, refrigerator, went freezer, went upstairs, checked everywhere. I couldn't see anywhere. But there was smoke, and then uh, Omega was showing me, you know, debris from burnt things. I said, okay, it must be from outside. The windows were closed, not from anywhere. Smoke debris. I was wondering what happened. Nothing burnt, but the smell and the smoke was there. And then I just lifted my eyes, saw our uh, doorbell, the bell. It had burnt completely. Burnt and then the pieces of the fire fell on the stabilizer that was below it and burnt it. Now, three days ago, Momichi disconnected the stabilizer from power. If that disconnection was not done, the whole house would have been burnt. The stabilizer started making noise. Cra, cra, cra. Disconnect me, disconnect me. She disconnected. Little did we know that the disconnection. Do you understand? 
Now, it was not part of my prayer point. I didn't ask God, don't let my house burn. But God did not allow my husband. Why? The Lord is my. Do you understand? He does things. Some of them you get to know. This one we knew because we saw smoke. There are some that he has done where you don't even know he did it. Do you understand? We serve a mighty God. Praise the Lord. So, you see, continual demand for proof is evidence of unbelief. But rest is a more testimony of faith than any other thing. That's why he can say, I know whom I have what. And so for anybody here listening to me, whatever it is that has to do with power, know that this Jesus, this is what he said. Let, let, me, let me read that part for you. Verse 8, Revelation 1. It says, I am the Alpha, the Jesus, and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Who is, who was, and who is to come? The what? Almighty. That is the Jesus you're coming to. Praise the Lord. So things scientific, things emotional, things philosophical, whatever. This Jesus is in charge of it. Are you with me? There is nothing he cannot do. That's what those who know him know. That's what gives them a reckless, you know, abandonment to his will. The truth is this. Let me be sincere to you. You see, we're talking about obedience here. The only reason you and I can consistently and sincerely obey God is that we know his power. You see? Praise the Lord. What can we use as an illustration? Pastor Nat, is that your phone? This one. Now, if I tell you, please, Pastor Nat, there, there's a cockroach there. Please, use this your phone and kill that cockroach. <laughs> now, depending on how he measures me, he will either do or not do. But if he knows that I'm the owner of, uh, I'm a distributor, of iPhone, Samsung, you know, whatever it is. And he looks at that phone. He will kill the cockroach if the phone hasn't broken. He will look for lizard and kill. <laughs> Are you getting it now? The reason we obey or not disobey is the measure of the capability we attribute to Jesus. Anybody obeying God is a man of faith. It's not by wanting to take something out of his pocket that shows faith. Obedience is the demonstration of faith. Because it takes faith for you to say to me, you know, uh, leave everything and go this way. If I'm leaving everything, how will I survive? But if I know that you will send your provision to me and you will not allow me to lack, I will obey immediately. So I'm not obeying because I don't think you can handle me. Or I'm obeying because I know you can take care of me. Praise the Lord. They say, go to that office. You know, don't give bribe. I know they will ask you for bribe, but tell them, I know that uh, those things, that you stop doing it, that you're a dead man, that when you were alive, you used to do it, but now you've died, so you don't do it. The only reason you can go to that office and say that is that you believe that this, your God, can touch the heart of that bribe, corrupt, wicked man and make him sign this paper in spite of. If you don't believe, when they say that to you, you say, now leave that matter. Okay, manage this one. And you will not give him as much as the wicked people are giving him because you want to do the job well. So your bribe will be despised. And when you bring your bribe, they'll match it with your paper and keep it under very well. Are you insulting me? Meanwhile, they told you to go there and make a declaration of faith that will keep the man's conscience at unease. He's wondering, what is, who is giving this boy confidence? But you didn't do it because you felt that, ha, hey, the type of bribery they take in this office, even IG can't stop them. 
It's a revelation of Jesus. Are you with me? Jesus said to Ananias, He said, Rise, go to Saul of Tarsus. He's in a room praying. He's at the street called Street. When you get in there, pray for him that he may receive his sight. The man said to Jesus, Ah, Jesus, Jesus, Molo, ah, so, ah, <laughs> so, ah, you won't kill me. <laughs> Do you understand? That's his response. But Jesus said to him, he is a chosen vessel of mine. Go! And then I went there. This sword that has been killing everybody. This is how he went. But somehow he believed in the power of Jesus to protect him from Saul. That's what this thing is about. When you know him, you walk in faith. When you know him, you walk in authority. When he sends you, you just go and say, Jesus the master sent me, receive your sight. You just go and speak. Because you know him. You're not looking at yourself. How how am I going to perform this? You look at yourself, you adjust yourself. No, it's not you. It's the power of God. It's the one who sent you. He says, I'll never leave you, nor what? Nor forsake you. That's what it is. Praise the Lord, somebody. Okay, quickly, I I plan that um, we'll just ask ourselves some questions and address something. So, I I wrote here, how good is your vision or your measure of Christ, of his power, of his love, and of his wisdom? You know, like like we saw here when when, uh, John saw him and fell at his feet. How great is it? Are you, is it right? How do I know? The first thing that I wrote here is, are you pressing in? Luke 16, 16. You know, what I find out in life is that in economics, they say all things being equal. Rationality. Everyone has a level of rational thinking. Now, if you believe this thing, the Bible says, for the law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached. And what is happening? It says everyone is what? Pressing into it. Now, if you leave church every time, and you're not beating your chest saying, how do I enter into this thing? You have not seen him more. You've not seen him. You know, we enter flights and the time you start sleeping is when they start saying safety measure. When they say, okay, this is where you bring out your... And I always wonder, after they've checked for your seatbelt to be locked in, then they tell you how to lock your seatbelt. Did you notice that? You would have all been seated with your belt in, then that's when they start. But you see... When they're reading all those safety measures, this uh, escape, uh, whatever is here or there, you sleep. Now, if there's some turbulence that comes up, you start thinking, where did they say the life jacket is? <laughs> so you just say, nah, nothing will happen, but just, this uh, is <laughs> Since the time of John, the kingdom of God is being preached, and what? Everyone is, if you believe these things, you can't hear them. And not press in. It's not for the pastor. It's for the believer. Do I believe? Am I pressing in? Praise the Lord. Do I believe? Am I what? That's the answer. If you're pressing in, you know you believe. If you're not pressing in, no, you don't believe yet. You are acquainted with it. You're informed, but you don't believe. Am I pressing in? Am I pressing in? I told us the story here about uh, a young man that was in church. And we're, we're just looking at the life of Jesus and how, what he said we should do. So, we read where Jesus said, if they slap you on the right cheek, turn to the left cheek. And this young man, you know, left church and said, God, yes, I believe you. If they slap me on the right, yes. And that week proper, he went to buy gas. And at the gas station, he was standing, waiting for his turn. No cue, no fight. Somebody walked up and slapped him. It was then he remembered that he prayed the prayer. So that was what kept his hand. I don't think the person slapped the second one. <laughs> Do you understand? But if you believe you will press in, 
Praise the Lord. Am I pressing in? Because these things are important. Let me read a, a particular scripture so that you don't miss it in case. Ezekiel 33. Now, brethren, I know that for you to be here and for those watching us online, some of these things are actually for your ministry, for your witnessing. Because I believe you're beyond this. Ezekiel 33, 30, please. 30 to 33, if you can put it together. Okay, it's very enough. Now, this is what it says. As for you, son of man, the children of your people are talking about you beside the walls and in the doors of the houses. And they speak to one another. Everyone saying to his brother, please come and hear what the word is that comes from the Lord. 31. So they come to you as people do. They sit before you as my people and they hear your words, but they do not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their hearts pursue their own gain. Indeed, you are to them as a very lovely song of one who has a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument. For they hear your words, but do not do them. Can you see that? They enjoy it, but it's just entertainment. They take the field and they go. Read 33, please. It says, and when this comes to pass, surely it will come. Then they will know that what? A prophet has been what? Then they'll say, ah, this thing was for our benefit. This thing was for our safety. If you put it in ear review, you capture it better. Maybe we'll just do 32. Easy to read version. It said, you're nothing to these people but a singer singing love songs. You have a good voice. You play your instrument well. They listen to your words, but what? They will not do what you say. They enjoy it. That's the level of enjoying, acquaintance. But there's no believing. If there's believing, there's a pressing in. There's a pressing in. 33 says, but the things you sing about, what will happen? Really will what? And then the people will know that there was a prophet. It's not ordinary song. These things are for life. When you leave church, every time you leave the presence of God, brethren, there must be something provoked in you, desiring to push in. That's how you know you encountered him. Praise the Lord. Okay, so are you pressing in? Are you obeying? Are you doing? Are you obeying? Are you doing? Matthew 7, we know the scripture 24, where Lord Jesus Christ says, I will liken the man who hears the sayings of mine and does them to the one who built his house upon the rock. So are we doing it? Are we implementing? Okay? The other one is, are we partisan? Have we gotten to the point where we are partisan? Listen, I was listening to a preacher, and it was so clear. He said, this nice guy, Christianity, we are trying to do now, it has never worked. You see, Christians will always be out of tune with the society. Because what everybody is going for is what you're going against. If the uh, apostles blended into society like we want to blend in, nobody will persecute them. Under the Roman government, under the time when they lived in, Caesar was Lord, you know. So everybody in the Roman um, realm, there are colonies and everywhere, they worship multitudes of gods. And then Caesar was also, you know, a judge to be a form of God. So everybody worshiped their God. Then when Caesar comes, they give, that's why they say, says, give to Caesar, you know. Uh-huh. Because everybody felt, give Caesar his own. You know, give everybody, you know, wahala. But when Christians arose in that time, believers, they knew that Jesus was Lord. So they would not bow to Caesar anymore. So when they attended a function and they said, let us rise now and acknowledge Lord Caesar. The Christians, they will say, no, Caesar is not Lord. He's only a man. Jesus said, Lord, what will now happen? Imagine you attend a function and they say, let's give honor to him. You say, no, you can't give honor to that man. He's a criminal, which we should start doing. How can you be giving honor to criminals? Honorable. Chief executive. 
You know, and then normal people, good people, responsible people are honoring them. It shouldn't be. If we want to really take it, John the Baptist looked at Herod and said, you're a criminal, you're wicked, you took your brother's wife. That's how they beheaded him. They didn't behead him for saying, Jesus, God loves you. Okay? So if you believe this thing, you will go a bit extreme. You'll become partisan. People will accuse you of fanaticism. But you see, that's the path that the people before us were exposed to. Praise the Lord. God will help us. In our homes, there are things that we do. I'm sure most of us already do that when there are functions, all those libations and things like that. You refuse that it's be done or you won't be part of what they're doing. How many of us got married as Christians? Did they try to do all those things? You resisted them. It doesn't make you so popular, but it comes with the territory, okay? Are you expectant when we believe this and we see this Jesus? There's an expectancy in us. 2 Timothy 1.12, please. There's an expectancy. We carry on like people who know. It says, for this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. It says, I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he's able to keep what I've committed to him. Until that day, every Christian knows that God will not disappoint him or her. Somebody say, I know whom I believe. And I'm persuaded that he's able to keep and perform that which I've committed unto his hands. Until that day, he will. You see, listen, brethren, where you don't see glory, you will have grace. That's what they have told us. Glory is the consummation of what the story. But where the story is not consummated, there will be grace. Every day you will look back and wonder, how did I make it to this place? For the Lord God will give what? Grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold. And the reason he's supplying that grace is because the story hasn't fully formed. That's what we learned at the throne room. God is not just about victory for you. It's not just about victory. Listen, victory is common. What we call victory is common. To have money is common. To have the things that men are looking for is common. It's everywhere. But the glory is not common. To make David king, immediately Saul could have died and David will enter. But where will the Psalms be? There are many who rise up against me. Where will all those things be? When they that hate me came against me, they stumbled and fell. Where will all those things be? So there's a story. Somebody say there's a story. And there's a glory at the end. And I will see it in Jesus' name. That's the portion of every believer. Praise the Lord. Okay, so until that day. Another one, you know, trying to round up now quickly. Is are you boasting? I love this one. Are you boasting or glorying in what you believe? Praise the Lord. If I wanted to ask myself. What really makes you happy? Can you please put uh, Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24? You know, I read a man that was saying, he was teaching, um, I think it was a ladies group or something like that. And he asked the ladies and said, please, can you write 10 things about yourself that you really love? And he said, many people couldn't even write one. And it was then I started thinking, what is it about myself that I really love? And I realized that I, I don't think I even found any. But now I'm finding. You see, Jeremiah 9 says, Thus says the Lord. Let's read it, everybody. Let not the wise man glory in his. Let not the mighty man glory in his. Nor let the rich man glory in his. But let him who glories do what? Glory in this. That he what? Understands and knows me. I think that is what I can be happy with myself about. You see, my relationship with God, they shock me. Can you tell? Are you sure? Am I getting it well? (laughs) It has shocked me. I'm telling you the truth. 
when I think about it, it shocks me. And I see the Lord saying, that is, some translations say, let him that boast. So my prayer is that from tonight, you begin to boast in this relationship. Don't walk about like the world has left you. Do you understand? It says, let him that glories, let him that boasts. Don't boast in your wisdom. Don't boast in your riches. Don't boast in your strength. He said, what should you boast in? Boast in the Lord that you know him. You know why? The knowledge of him will give you perpetual wealth. Perpetual glory. Every of these other things will pass away. But many Christians don't. So when we gather with friends, we gather with associates, we gather with neighbors, we feel all kind of, you know, because the other day you asked him for help. He gave you a ride. He dropped you. You say, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. It's all right. We appreciate the help. But I glory that Jehovah is my God. Like someone said, this morning I spoke to God. Have you met name droppers before? I know the other day um, uh, when I was at Okonjoy, well, and then um, uh, this time I stopped by. They, they are just calling names for you. He said that's how you should be calling the name of the Lord. We used to have, um, there was a lady in Abuja many years ago. I don't know where she is now. When she's talking about her pastor then, Pastor Obano, she said, my dad, dad. You just be wondering, is it not her pastor too? Dad, dad. As if it's just she and her that are in the church. The rest of us are not there. You know, dad, dad said, dad, okay. it's our pastor. What's your own? Claim him for yourself. <laughs> Praise the Lord. This is very important. Are you doing that? If you're not, you must. You must. Glory that you know him. Uh-uh. Glory that you know him, that he is the Lord. That is the Lord exercising loving kindness and judgment. That knowledge of God, that relationship, it says, bask in it. You understand? Revel in it. That God is your God, that you spoke with him, that you worship him. It's not something to be apologetic about. It's not something to bow your heads about. It's not something, you know, when you go for evangelism, you say, excuse me, please, may I have a moment? No, it says, I have good news. I have good news. Have you met my savior? I'm going to show you a scripture. I must not miss that one. You know, the Song of Solomon is a part of the Bible that you don't read anyhow. How many of us know? You don't go there anyhow. Trouble can just bust. Okay, but, but SOS, <laughs> Song of Solomon, chapter 5, verse 9. Read it for me. It says, what is your beloved more than another word? O Ferris amongst men, what is your beloved more than another? That you so child, why are you disturbing us about this, your beloved? Give us any other translation. Give us a message, any other translation, please. He said, what's so great about your lover, fair lady? What's so special about him that you beg for help? Give us ERV. Give us any other one, just more. He said, what is happening here is this. The, the people are asking her, what's this? What is shocking you about this, your Jesus? That's the question that somebody should be asking you. He said, how is your lover different from other lovers? Is your lover better than other lovers? Why are you disturbing me? This is what your uncle should be telling you. This is what your business partner should be telling you. This is what your contemporaries in the office should be telling What is this thing about your Jesus? Do you understand? Go to 10. See why he's like that. Read it for me. He said, my beloved is what? He said, he's stand and handsome. He said, my beloved is stand and handsome. What is he? Better than how many? Better than 10,000. Give, give us the amplified, please. Amplified, this verse 10. 
It says, my beloved is exquisitely handsome and ruddy. Outstanding among. If you have this attitude, you know you're getting it. About your Jesus. Child of God, you cannot have a bar of gold in your pocket and be behaving like a pauper. You cannot have this Jesus as your Lord and be apologetic about it. They said to her, what is it about this, your beloved? This is what he said. Just be running. Give us, this is another translation. Okay, my beloved is fair and ruddy. Just go, go and give us a, other translations. It's telling us uh, her estimation, why you need to know this Jesus. He said, my dear lover glows with what? Health, red-blooded, radiant. He said, he's one in a million. There's no one quite like him. Say, I'm talking about my Jesus. He said, let him that glory is glory one. Now, let me tell you why, why this is important. Just put that on the side. If, if you can open on your Bibles, 1 Corinthians 3, 21, 22. You see where our problem is. Instead of you and I, believers, glorying in what is our glory, we want to glory in what the world glories. So you see people boast, Christians boast. They're not boasting in anything about this. What they're boasting is the building. What they're boasting is the car. What they're boasting is the fellowship. What they're boasting, the same thing the world boasts about. It's because they have not met him. Did you read Paul? When Paul talked about his miracles, he apologized. He said he has entered the flesh. He said, in fact, this thing I'm doing now, and I regret doing it. Are you getting it now? Why? He says, therefore, let no one boast in what? In men. For all things are what? All things are yours. If we have a common patrimony, can I pose with it for you? I come to the father's chair now. I sit on this chair. I take selfie. I take the chair, picture of the chair, post it. I'm be posing for you. Can I do that? You're sitting on your own chair. You're sitting on your own chair. What is special about it? It says, for all things are what? Yours. It says, whether Paul, Apollos, or Cephas, or the world, or life, or death, or things present, or things to come. How many? All things are what? And you are Christ, and Christ is God. It's saying to us that the treasure we have is Christ. With him comes every other thing. Praise the Lord. And the earlier we find the value and begin to glory in having him, the better it will be for us. Because that glory is what is going to bring an attraction. It says, arise and shine, for your light has come. It says, the nations will come to the brightness of you. It is this glory. You sit down as a born-again Christian and ask yourself, I have Jesus as Lord. I have Jesus as Savior. I have Jesus as friend. Brethren, what's more? What can I be lacking? Let's rise on our feet. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The psalmist said, taste and see that the Lord is good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. My beloved is the fairest amongst 10,000. Jesus is the wonder-working one. Jesus is the one filled with authority and power. You know, some of the things I wrote here, praise the Lord. Please just permit me. You know? Something very important I needed to pick. Now, you know, fear. Fear is a, an instrument of control. You know that. Fear is an instrument of control. Now, for a Christian, do you know how you deal with that? Jesus helped us. In Luke 12, please, 4 and 5. Jesus said to us, that's why I love the Lord. He's clear on everything. Jesus said to us, 
He said, do not fear. He who can what? Kill the body. But after that, they can't follow you anywhere. So, the height of intimidation is that they kill the body. Isn't it? Now, what did Jesus say? He says, but I will show you whom you should what? He said, fear the one that after he kills the body, he will arrest that body. Are you getting it? Now, what he's saying to me is this. If you bring fear as an instrument of intimidation to me, you're wasting your time. Your fear is small fear. It's like threatening me with mosquito bite. When I have a scorpion that is behind me that is saying, don't move. I say, mosquito bite all you can. Are you getting me? This is what Jesus said to us. You see, the way this was coming to me is this. He says he's by all means greater. If it's in terms of reward, he can reward you more. If it's in punishment, he can punish more. There's no place for argument. There's no place to... What? He says concerning reward, he tell them. He says to him who is able to do how? Exceedingly, abundantly, above. Which means you can't even think of what he's planning to do for you. Praise the Lord, somebody. That is the Jesus we have. That is the Jesus we have. He says again, is it beauty? We've looked at it. He's the most beautiful. He said cordiality. You know, there are relationships that you have, and you look at the things you're enjoying. You're walking in a place, you say, I really don't like walking here, but anyway, they have a, a nursery for my children. They have this, and you know, they sponsor me on this. So because of that, I work for it. But in Jesus He's not a master that you endure serving. He's a master that you enjoy serving. Is someone hearing? He says he's a friend. Look at it the way the Bible. He says he's a friend that what? Sticks closer. His cordiality is immeasurable. That's how come a people will follow him for three days. They forget they've not eaten. Are you getting in now? Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. Or is it his authority? He says, I am almighty. He says, I'm the resurrection and the life. He says, I'm he who was, who is, and who is to come. He's the one who declares a thing and it comes to pass. He said, who is it that speaks when I have not spoken? That is the God we serve. Our God is mighty. Our God is awesome. Our God is wonderful. We worship you, our king. We extol you. You are the best. Loving you is the best. Knowing you is the best. Because you are the best. You are the most beautiful. You're the most excellent. You're the wonderful one. You're the most compassionate one. I would love to be with you for the rest of my life. Nothing compares. Jesus, you are the best. I worship you. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Ikenaokeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Banex Kwarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-1588404. You can find us online at www www.thefatherschurchonline.org God bless you.